Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi everybody, for the second time this week, there's no stopping us. This is The Ruck, Times and Sunday Times weekly podcast, this week, twice weekly. Uh, We're going to talk today about the Women's Six Nations, which starts on the weekend, probably the most eagerly awaited in the history of the women's game, certainly making an impact in terms of television, ticket sales and interest in what is, after all, a World Cup year. Uh, Fantastic prospect. To talk about it, we've got our own Jess Hayden, who knows everyone and everything about women's rugby, so why wouldn't we bring her in? (laughs) Jess, do me one favour. It's the TikTok Six Nations. What's TikTok? <laughs> so it's it's an app, Stephen, which is a thing that you get on your phone. And yeah. it's, I know uh, what an app is. <laughs> so the TikTok is a short form content platform. It's now the title partner of the women's tournament and also partner of the men's tournament as well. So you might have seen over the men's tournament TikTok sponsorship on things. Essentially, how I understand it, I went to the Women's Six Nations launch. It felt very TikTok-y so that we had, there were maybe six TikTok creators at the event. There was lots of chance to to film TikTok creation and um, they had props set up so you, that we could film stuff if we wanted to. I didn't personally because I'm I'm trying really hard to engage on TikTok and because there is there are huge numbers of women's rugby fans and content creators on there. But I, I am struggling, Stephen, so I don't think anyone expects you to be, be on there doing your one-minute dances just yet. Um, but let me know if you want to. How do you, how do you know I can do a one-minute dance? No, you no. can do a one-minute dance if you want to. Okay. When I started, the paper was printed in hot metal, so that's <laughs> not really the, tic, the TikTok uh, era. Also delighted to say we got a special guest from the England squad, Sarah McKenna. Sarah, you're really, really welcome I know that uh, you'd rather be uh, bursting with energy for the big kickoff, but hamstring got in, got in the way. Yep, uh, uh, got an injury back in the autumn internationals, uh, second hamstring injury in in just over a year. So this one took a little bit longer to recover from. Uh, unfortunately, the timings just didn't work out. But I've been uh, in the England camp for the past couple of weeks. We've been going hard at it, uh, mm. but I think this game just came a couple of weeks too soon for me. Do you hope uh, uh, um, that you can get back and get some action in the Six Nations before it before it ends? I do hope so, of course. Um, luckily, there is a uh, the Prem competition happening whilst the Six Nations is going on, so I hope to get a few minutes in that, mm. at least so then I won't be going into cold into any Red Roses fixtures if I'm so lucky to be picked. Um, mm. But even so... The Red Roses camps are, are hard as nails, so if you can uh, get through one of those camps, you're probably good to go when it comes to the, the first whistle. Okay, Sarah uh, had an unbelievably distinguished career. You've won the the, the, the Premiership, the Premier 15s title with Saracens, and now won 39 caps. So you you, you definitely want to want to add to that and maybe get you up near 50. That would be, that would be nice, of course. Uh, no, I'm just um, really happy that I've obviously had a, a year that. Uh, a really good year under my belt, a good couple of years, certainly with Saracens, um, and had a long career behind me. But the next focus for me is of the, the World Cup. Mm. But before that, I've got to get some good performances under my belt. The competition in the squad is unbelievable. The, the yeah. strength and depth that we have, as probably you guys know, having yeah. watched Prem 15s and etc., is, is crazy. New talent coming to the fore all the time. So, um, yeah, we really do get pushed hard, and oh, we are be fighting my hardest to, to get a spot. It's funny because I, I can remember watching the the teams and people would come through like um, Jess Breach came through and then Shauna Brown would come through. Do you, do you sort of see these players think, Jesus, I wish so many players would stop coming through? <laughs> um, I, I know I know what you're saying, absolutely. But I think um, 
it's it's so good for the sport, obviously, and mm-hmm. not just saying that to try and be a bit of a martyr here, but mm. but I think we're only going to get better if we can push each other hard every single week. And if you look at the women's prem results, the competition is even more competitive than ever. You know, those top six teams certainly could win on any given weekend. Mm. That's what we need to get the sport better. That's what we need to get more people in the stands to create more buzz around the game. So, yeah, of course, who wouldn't like a, an armchair ride at times? But at the end of the day, it wouldn't do anyone any good it wouldn't do the game any good so this is exactly where it needs to be well done very diplomatic Jess um, in your time following rugby have England ever had so much depth of talent or indeed has anyone had so much depth of talent I think as Sarah touched on there the competitive nature of the Premier 15s has been huge for the women's game not just for England though because there are Scotland girls Mm. Wales girls Ireland girls international girls as well we've got players from all over the world playing in the Premier 15s now so it's not just England who are benefiting but of course I think it's the the nature of the full-time professional squad I hear as well that the camps this year have been exceptional you were at the St George's camp is it in Burton upon Trent where the men's and women's football teams play England they train there I'd be really interested to know what that's like because I spoke to Poppy Clear in the week and she said that they have a treadmill that's underwater with cameras all around it to help rehab and to help you know how you run and stuff like that. So as someone who's injured, what's it been like having access to those kind of facilities? Yeah, obviously it's next level. You can't you can't beat those facilities and when you go up there you, you genuinely feel like sporting royalty in terms of that setup. It's it's next level. Um we go there you know, get to use the gym, get to use all those facilities, the rehab centre, all that, whatnot. Um, but then when we get down to the nitty gritty and on the pitch, it's just a, it's a grass pitch yeah. with mm. two sets of posts on at the end of the day. And it's got sort of, I think there are 18 pitches in total and it's in you know the far corner. And then at that point, it's just rugby players on a pitch, you know, uh, getting down to it. So all that stuff is, is awesome. The food is exceptional. Um, all the rest of it, the recovery facilities are, are honestly something else. But I think then when we get down to the rugby side of things, it's, it's the same same looking pitch yeah. as, as normal. Mm-hmm. And then that's, I think, get probably that's probably a good thing. You know, not all the bells and whistles. We're there to, to work hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that stuff is, is a luxury around it, believe me. And I, I do really think it will take us um, to a new place in terms of making sure that we recover properly, um, how we interact with each other, the rehab, getting people back quicker, mm-hmm. for example. But... Um, but yeah, we've obviously been hard at work and, and not letting all that sort of get to our head. Most people in rugby emerge from the old amateur de- amateur days. Um, you know, it must be sort of frightening to you guys now that how much you you weren't able to achieve because you didn't have the facilities, you didn't have the sympathy or or, or, or the backup. I mean, d- does it actually feel that you've played in two different worlds of rugby? Yeah, I've been I've been thinking about this a lot, and I think a question that comes up often is do you wish you're sort of born 10 years later and and whatnot so you could be sort of a part of this new sort of wave of yeah. uh, so f- i suppose professionalism but at the same time and i imagine um potentially as, as a lot of people my age you know we, we used to after a prem game still do a boat race like oh, at the end you know for the player <laughs> of the match and whatnot so i've lived like you say in in two eras where i've got to really benefit from that that side where that camaraderie being in it together, taking the match shirts home, you know, at the end of a game, washing them, making sure they're back in time. And I've also been in that era where the shirts, they're in the changing room ready to go. The GPS is in it, switched on. Um, the recovery shake is there, handed to you after the game. So you're right, I've lived in two mm. eras and mm. I wouldn't change it for anything. And I've, I'm really happy that I've, I've been able to do both and experience both. Just you from uh, you and other rugby commentators and other, other rugby players have commented on Facebook about, uh, sorry, on, 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 on social media, etc., about um, th- things that still hold it back, um, prejudices and things like that. And also, now it's moving. It seems still seems to move incredibly slowly or slower than you'd, than, than you'd want. Do you still think there's a, uh, w- w- which is more in your heart now, frustration or excitement? 
in my heart, there's more excitement than fr- frustration. And I think it's really important to look at where women's rugby was maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. And people like Giselle Mather, who, uh, Wasps head coach, who was an England player, she talks about having to pay... She spoke on the ruck about having to pay her own way and pay, pay for her own flights, pay for a hotel, uh, work extra shifts to be able to get an upgrade in her hotel so she had a, a better shower so that she could play, a, you know, feel better the next day. All of that. So really, I think that there's a lot that women's rugby has not to be grateful for, but that it's 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 earned and we can be excited now. I feel like that frustration can still be there for other nations. I mean, the situation in Ireland at the moment is very frustrating and they are having to battle against their own union and those sure. players having to talk up about that. So yes, there are still frustrations, but I think in terms of where England are, huge, huge leaps forward in the past few years with the, the full-time professionalism, And one thing that I would like to say on that as well is that we often talk about professional contracts as if it's just the money that players get at the the end of the month. And I think it's about so much more than that. I think Mm. it's about the support you get off the pitch of the medical side of it, insurance, all these things that a lot of the other international players don't get and, and could be taken for granted, but really are so important to that holistic professionalism that I think the women's game needs to strive for. I always say that Yes, we have other professional, semi-professional, etc. models in women's rugby, mm. but they won't be able to compete with England's version until that those pathways are set up and those Good point. those those full kind of the the full circle of professionalism is reached. Do you think that the the, the stand by the Irish ladies was well in, for me? It was one of the great sporting stands ever made because Irish rugby union wouldn't even listen to men players, leave alone women players. And, and and they actually got rapidly what they wanted. They got access to the government and mm. things were changed almost overnight. Does that give the lesson to people that you can, if you, if you keep together, even the oldest of fuddy-duddies will fall over? That's They did make a really good stand and I 100% support the stand they made, but mm. I feel like a lot of those players have now felt the brunt of making that stand and unfortunately a couple of really key players haven't made the Women's Six Nations squad for this campaign when really they should because they're on excellent form um, and those players, there are two in particular, um, Clona Maloney mm. and Annika Police, who really I think should be in the Ireland squad. I think they think they should be in the Ireland squad as well from conversations I, I've had, and they're not, and they were two of the most vocal advocates for themselves and for Ireland women. So, mm. yes, the stand they took was incredibly important. It was overdue, and I completely think they did the exact right thing, but I don't think that we're anywhere near the end of that conversation okay. and that the government, whoever it is, I know that they have been speaking to members of the government, should stand in to make sure that the players who are, who do stand up to this are protected because they're, they're essentially whistleblowers. Mm. And if, they, if, if they're not in the, the team because of them standing out, which I'm mm. not saying they absolutely are because... You know, I'm not privy to those conversations where about their performance and stuff, but they have been excellent this season. I think that, you know, if we need to protect those whistleblowers. Sure, sure. Good point. Okay. Uh, this So the story is not quite over yet. It's still running and running. Uh, Sarah, um, you would have played a lot of places for England. You played at Twickenham for England. Yeah. Um, we're now in an area where when England first played at Twickenham, I think everybody thought this is wonderful. We played at Twickenham. Uh, which must indeed it is it is wonderful, but then suddenly you got instead of putting you as a, as the as the curtain raiser or or nearer the the big game, we were sitting there in like November in freezing temperatures, in a really cold and dark ground. Do you think that now you once you played at Twickenham, which is lovely, you, you would then support going to King's Home and Leicester, where you and Exeter, where you're going to get crowds. Yeah, I think so. I think obviously the wider picture is to get to get this game out to new audiences and take it around the country. And mm. I think there's absolute buy-in from every single Red Rose around that. People up from Yorkshire getting to play at Doncaster and the support that they got around that it, it means so much to people. 
Uh, it's not too dissimilar to what the Lionesses do. They move the game around the country and, and play in uh, smaller stadiums so that they can fill them out and really create an atmosphere. I think the one of the best days that I had at Twickenham was against the Barbars in a in a May game, and I think mm. it was about 31 degrees. Yeah. Obviously not not dark and uh, cold yeah, like autumn, no, sure, autumn sure. Twickenham. It was a very different experience, and there were 30,000 people there before a Barbars game. But mm. I think when we're not obviously hitting those crowds on a regular basis, I think Twickenham seems like quite a cold and atmosphereless place so we really enjoy taking it around the country being an extra a lot of times the whole city knows why we're there what's happening say mm. hi to us ask us about the game and no doubt they're probably going to be in attendance as well so we love going around the country and taking the game elsewhere and I think actually in terms of performance it it lifts our performance mm. you don't want to get become a team who are stale used to playing at the same place We've become very good and very accustomed to moving ourselves around the country, moving our whole setup, mm. uh, and mm. doing so quickly and, and getting very used to our settings very quickly. I think when we've got a World Cup coming up in New Zealand, or see a very long way from home, we're going to have to be very adaptable. Sure. And therefore, I think these experiences will stand us in really good stead. Sure, sure. I mean, apparently, uh, there's going to be a big crowd at King's Home. Well, for Rude, there should be. And then the, the final, oh, sorry, getting ahead of myself, you're the France-England game, which may or may not decide the tournament, is at Bayonne, which is another ferociously partisan crowd. So actually, you know, you're going to be picking things up from the sidelines now, from the, t- you know, I mean, maybe it'll be abuse in the, in the case of the French, but at least it's going to be almost like a dynamic, crackling atmosphere. Yeah, whenever we've uh, played France away, I think uh, it's, mm. it's been just that. It's uh, always a bit spicy, a bit prickly when you're there. You know, when you do something wrong, they certainly let you know about it. And actually, even when the French do something wrong, they, they let their, their own players know about it as mm. well. Sort of jeering, mm. it's not good enough, or, if the, you know, the clock's been been stopped for too long. They certainly uh, pipe up and you hear the, the fans starting to whistle. But no, playing playing away in France is a huge uh a, a huge thing for any rugby player something that will stick in many people's memories uh, mm. played in Claremont and I think you know the south stand is almost over the top of the corner mm. of the pitch mm-hmm. it was an amazing atmosphere Claremont is an amazing atmosphere exactly because actually when you look at it it, does, it only takes about 18,000 or whatever yeah. it is you think there's about 50,000 there don't you exactly yeah. so so actually that's, a, that's something we really look forward to obviously um, if you haven't experienced it before, as your first time playing France away, I think mm. it'll, it'll it'll catch some people. I think it'll, you'll walk out and you'll be like, "Oh, this feels a little bit different." Mm. Um, but I think you know, once that whistle goes, like I said, we're we're very much in in game mode, and actually that stuff, other than potentially not being able to hear each other, like you can normally yeah. in a, a prem game, you know, shout calls, you can hear them. Yeah, yeah. you're going to have to. Yeah, the, the uh, lines of communication do change in those atmospheres. So I'd say that's probably the biggest difference that people might not be used to. Okay. Jess, um, recently Six Nations has been um, excellent in the way it's been played by a small number of teams. There's also been huge deficits, huge uh, huge defeats. Are we looking for something better this year? I mean, Italy clearly improving. Ireland have had their revolution, which may or may not be complete. And we're going to speak to Sean Lillicrap um, shortly about the Welsh team and, and their progress. But can we look forward to... Um, I don't think it's all going to be draws or, or, or titanic contest to the last minute. But can we look forward to a more even playing field this year? I think so. I think this Six Nations is going to... There are going to be the, the smallest gaps I think we've ever had between the teams. England, of course, the only fully professional side. We would expect them to, to win and we would expect them, you know... I think we're going to hear from Zoe Aldcroft later. I spoke to Zoe at the Women's Six Nations launch and she said to me that... It is kind of Grand Slam or nothing. You That is the aim for the, the team. They really do want to win the Grand Slam. So, of course, potentially I think we are looking at England winning again, but that's the that's the reward of their investment, I think. France are very hot on their heels. And in the last autumn, the autumn before last, we saw two exceptionally tough tests between England and France. And mm. we know that that competition is, is tight. And France could absolutely upset England on that final Super Saturday. But between the other teams, I think the the gap is definitely lessening. Wales now having full time players and, and another, so there are twelve full time players, eleven who are on semi professional part time retainer contracts. Italy are really improving this last year. Scotland are on the an absolute up at the moment, having mm. just qualified for the Rugby World Cup, so they'll be looking to continue that momentum. So yeah, I think that this is going to be the closest yet. 
a lot of people on on Twitter and even in our Times comment section say, what's the point of watching if England are going to win? And I do understand that viewpoint, but I don't watch the men's Six Nations just to see who comes top. I think some of the best matches are actually in the middle of the table and not always between the two best teams in the competition. So yes, I think that the competition is still kind of on the premise that England probably will come top, Mm. but there are going to be some great matchups lower down. Just, just give us an update on the, st- the status of the six teams. So at the Women's Six Nations launch, I spoke to every team to really get an understanding because sometimes the other teams have been quite spiky about what their status is. So England are fully professional. Wales have 12 full-time professional players and 11 who are on semi-professional retainer contracts. France have 35 15s players who are on contracts that they describe as 75% professional. So those players are encouraged to have um, additional jobs or studies to kind of help with their rugby. Ireland get per DMs, which is just a small amount of money, about £1,000, alongside the Six Nations to help them pay for expenses and, and food, etc. as they travel. Scotland have 10 players on professional contracts. And finally, Italy only have expenses paid. So we only have one team that are completely amateur now. Women's Game has had, had to fight for every scrap of coverage, TV coverage, and it, it's now gone from clips to, to to streaming, and then suddenly it's on BBC Two and everybody's talking about it. I mean, how much of a difference has that made? The, 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 the series against um, New Zealand... Everyone was talking about the about it thing. Blimey, I, I've never seen this before. This is this is this is unbelievable, and it it certainly let loose a, a, a great burst of excitement. For, I'm, not, I'm not knocking t- um, um, any TV, not knocking um, satellite TV or anything, but BBC Two in prime time was something. Yeah, without a doubt, actually, I don't think it was long long ago that Poppy Clear was tweeting about Bargain Hunt being on on a Sunday afternoon rather on uh, the women's game was on iPlayer yeah. rather than being on the main channel um, so I think that was potentially only two years ago so th- the change within that time is monumental all of the women's games are going to be available within the six the uh, six nations countries uh, during during the uh, duration of the tournament so I think just putting it in front of people you know I've we've all been there and watched sports that we've never watched before just because it comes on after another program but like you know what I'm into this I like this mm-hmm. and that's usually the way of getting in people's homes and people who wouldn't usually watch the sport and I think alongside that that's why TikTok's great bringing the game to new audiences just a, a snapshot of it people think I like that I'm going to look at it more so I think yes sometimes we have to you know give people those snippets mm-hmm. or just they I suppose uh, so soak it up without realising and then all of a sudden they've watched a women's game and they really enjoy it and they want to watch more mm. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with those sort of watchers those viewers because rugby doesn't have to be everyone's sport but I think just to catch those few people who actually are, then become really engaged I think that's why it's great to have it on, on primetime TV mm. and not, not Jess you cover the you covered the Premier 15 so well for us but how I mean it's now become a, like a its own industry covering it that you see all sorts of people commentating think who the hell's that and then and you know I mean that in, in the nicest possible way but it's suddenly at least you've got a network and you can see Premier 15 games if you want to Absolutely. So this season, for the first time, I presented a Premier 15s game and it was brilliant to see the broadcast value behind that and the investment from the RFU to see how those games are being broadcast. The the women and men who are presenting week on week are exceptionally knowledgeable about the game. They know the players, they know how to say their names because that's always been a huge bugbear of mine when I watch women's rugby and they get names wrong, they misidentify players, it really annoys me. That isn't a problem anymore in the Premier 15s. You can stream them, you can watch them on your phone. A lot. So one game per round at least is on the BBC, so that's either the iPlayer, the website, the app. So that's great. And also we get to see more on Saracens TV online, on the Premier 15s website. So it's a, it's a huge it's a huge thing for the Premier 15s and it's great to see that the Six Nations are kind of following that trajectory. And I should say that on Monday morning, Six Nations released a statement to say that this Women's Six Nations was going to have the most comprehensive broadcast support that's ever happened before. Mm. So normally in a Women's Six Nations match, there are maybe four or five cameras maximum and you miss key moments. You don't get to see the right angles that you get to see in the men's game. That's changing for this tournament. So there are going to be more cameras around more operators, more support, so that we can really see the best angles of the of the rugby, which I think is fantastic. And they also mentioned that the 
tournament is going to be shown in 136 countries worldwide and that now every single country in the Six Nations has announced their broadcast package and every game will be broadcast in those countries. So in the UK, they're on the BBC, in Ireland, on RTE or Virgin Media, in Sky, it's Sky Italia and France TV have the rights in France. So as you say, Sarah, every single country will be able to watch their watch not only their own country play, but they'll be able to watch every single game in the Six Nations, which I think is huge. I think, can I just add to that about the, the increase in cameras is is huge because I think alongside that you get you get the content and the graphics that come along with it and the metrics. Mm-hmm. So I think usually when people have watched in the past and we don't have those those various cameras to go to, when there's a break and play and injury, people start assuming that the, the women's game is much slower than the men. Mm, yeah, but yeah, actually, sure. when you look at ball in playtime, actually there's there's pretty much parity. So actually, when those graphics get to be pulled up, info, whatnot, you're so much more engaged rather than thinking, oh, this is a bit slow, I might turn over and watch something else. Mm. Actually, I think that's huge in terms of elevating the game and taking it to a new level. Okay, uh, we're just going to concentrate on England a little bit now. Um, Jess spoke to Zoe Oldcroft at the recent launch for the tournament. She asked Zoe, was anything other than the Grand Slam acceptable? Uh, Grand Slam words that Eddie Jones apparently has never heard of. Absolutely not. I think I think we play rugby to like win, basically. So all our training, all our hard work, which the girls put in so much, it's all to get those those big moments and to be able to perform in those big moments. So to get the Grand Slam is obviously our, our main goal in this tournament. So you play Scotland, then Italy, then Wales, then Ireland, and then finally Super Saturday against France, your closest rivals. That game, it's the 30th of April. That must be the one that decides the Grand Slam. Oh, it's, it's tricky to say because obviously this year the competition is really rising. Obviously we've got contracts now with with Wales, um, as Scotland. They have some of the contracts now as well. Um, so obviously the competition is really, really heating up. So um, to say that's the decider, obviously we don't we don't know until we till we get there. Um, but obviously we are concentrating each week as it comes and obviously we do have that game in the back of our heads because it is a big game whenever we do meet France it's always a massive competition we never know who's going to come out on top um, and obviously it's France away and playing in France away is, we know it's going to be loud it's going to be noisy and um, they're going to have all their support going for them um, so yeah it's going to be a big one That was Zoe uh, the World Rugby Player of the Year England starts off with Scotland away. It's got a certain ring to it, like the, like the Calcutta game with the men. Um, Scotland, have, have, as just said, have had a real boost. But but so England will need to be wary, but would really hope to start well up there, surely. Yeah, without a doubt, of course, uh, first first game of the tournament, want to start off with a bang. As you mentioned, so many Scottish players playing in, in the Prem 15s will know some of those guys, but, but likely, but obviously on the same same merits they'll know about us so um it's going to be excellent there's going to be some some really good matchups Rachel Malcolm their captain as mentioned earlier always mm. a fantastic uh player for for Scotland and for Loughborough um so I think it'll be it'll be an excellent game obviously uh, Scotland are going to be buoyed by their World Cup qualification have spent more time together than ever so I think this will be a bit of a new look Scotland Scotland side the the uh, in, in the series against um the, the Black Ferns the coach went very much for an attacking back three. Um, you know, like when, when England are picking the men's team, they, they always want to get a two-a-langy sort of figure in there. But actually, um, in terms of 15, 14, 13, almost everywhere, uh, the, the coach went for uh, for runners uh, and attackers. Does that always work when you're playing on a muddy pitch in Scotland? Um well, I think given that the Women's Six Nations is slightly later, I think we will probably have different challenges that uh, yeah, we have had yeah. before when the tournament would kick off in, in late um, January or early February, for example. So I think actually this only could pay into England's favour in terms of having a pitch that holds up better. Mm. So I think uh, it's a real positive thing. England uh, will make no bones about it. They want to play fast, they want to play quick. They really want to physically challenge teams in terms of you know, uh, physical dominance and in terms of fitness, mm. they want to run teams off the park. So actually, I think in terms of what they, the product they want to put on the field, their game will, ref, will their game and their tactics will, will reflect that. So I think, you know, like I said, lots of training put in in the prior weeks. Mm. They'll be uh, they'll be ready to go on this one. Why would you not though? If you were um, if you've got Sarah Byrne up front and well, probably three hookers who, who, who are pretty much on the same level. 
um, uh, and uh, Sean O'Brown. Why would you um, want to play quick all the time? Why wouldn't you want to try and stuff it up their noses in scrum? Well, I think, obviously, alongside that, if you're winning front foot dominance with those powerful players, mm. hugely dominant in terms of their carries, then, of course, you're going to be able to play a fast game. You're not mm. going to slow it down when it's sat at the base of a ruck. Alongside that, we're looking at, you know, of, of course, the game's based on, on set piece. Having mm. a dominant set piece around that scrum area is huge for England. So having those girls who, luckily enough, are incredibly powerful, can mm. win set piece and then get themselves around the park is, I think, a point of difference for England over a lot of sides. Fair enough. Uh, Jess, where is there a danger to England? Obviously, um, France way. Where is, it, where is there a danger to England apart from that? I mean, where, where is the match they've got to be at their best? I think it does all rest from, um, in my opinion it does all rest on that final match Super Saturday mm. against France I think that will be the decider having said that though Ireland on the 24th of April that's the penultimate match for England I think that will be a, a real a real struggle um, but of course England-Wales is always a huge match I know that obviously England do win against Wales but with the renewed support that they've had um, I think that Wales will be hot on their heels at King's Home and trying to, to really make a name for themselves. I think that would be a tough match. We always say there's no easy game in Test Rugby. Um, sometimes there have been in women's rugby. I think mm. there have been some some games that England have found easy. But as I said before, I think that gap is closing now and there will be every match. I think there will be obstacles for, for England for sure. It's sure. definitely not going to be a, a walkover for England. I, I don't think that this we can really say that England are going to go through every game and get, you know... 10 tries against each team it's just not going to be like that anymore okay well we're talking about the welsh game there let's uh, listen to see one little crap the welsh captain we're with shuan now um shuan thanks so much for joining us in the week of uh, the first welsh game in the six nations would it be fair to say that the the, the whole face of welsh women's rugby's changed recently with with um professional contracts and with the Welsh Rugby Union, it looks like finally getting behind you. Yeah, definitely. It absolutely has. And uh, we're in a much different spot now to what we were 12 months ago, much different spot to probably what we were four or five months ago. And uh, yeah, the face of it has definitely changed. And the way we feel as players, and um, I've mentioned it a couple of times, actually, it's our confidence levels now to... It's changed our lives as individuals, which results in, in the team dynamic changing because we can prepare um, to our best ability, recover to our best ability and make every rep count in everything that we do. So um, as a result of that, our confidence levels in our execution of what we can do, hopefully on game day, mm. is high at the moment. And we're just super excited to hit off uh, the Six Nations this Saturday against Ireland and it's going to be an exciting week and, and, and an exciting campaign. You know, pressure almost is on us, maybe externally, but, you know, performance doesn't happen overnight. And our main mm. thing is that we keep taking steps forward. And that's what we're concentrating on is what we can control and, and reaching our performance goals internally. Presumably your lifestyle has changed totally because when you were head of rugby at Swansea, um, you had to sort of fit training in when you could, probably got up pre, pre-dawn and was still training somewhere, you know, in the dark. So it must be, does it give you more sort of leisure time now, more reflect time to reflect? I definitely, you know, I think it has changed my life completely. And I think at first, the first few weeks, I was a bit like, oh, what is this? Like, I haven't, I haven't got an email to respond to or a million WhatsApps <laughs> after I come off, off the train in pitch. And I was a little bit shocked that, oh, I've actually got time to maybe do something different. Um, but it's it's massive. You know, my, my working day now is is completely different. You know, we were doing 80 odd hours a week before between work, travel and, and training. Um, so all those extras that I didn't get chance to do for my rugby uh, game I you know I couldn't do it and that recovery goes out the window as you say lack of sleep you know up at the crack of dawn in, in the morning to to work to coach in the morning pre pre-student lectures and then you know have a day of work and then travel to train and, and be home late at night you know that that those days have gone and um you know I can get up meal prep um do my my rehab and when we're in the gym not rush through a gym gym session so it's like uh 
a hit session. We actually get to get good strength, good physical gains in. Um, and then all those extras I can do as a player, my position specific or work on something I need to, mm-hmm. but I am performing very well, I, I can do. So, you know, it's absolutely life-changing and also the vibes and the relationships and the pot and um, that we get to gain as players amongst ourselves, you know, with each other day in, day out, essentially, mm. you know, that's also invaluable. You you become best of friends off the field, which will only help you when you get on the field. So it's, uh, it's all, it's all really exciting. We're all loving it. Um, but I guess the pressure comes now this week, but as we hit test week. Mm-hmm. Sure, and I should say, um, I remember when I was playing at Swansea, you were coaching all the time, every weekend, then you'd play for Swansea, Ospreys or Wales and you just seemed so busy all the time running around there must be such a mental shift now with this support you must feel like as much as the the physical side of things and being able to hit the gym and and have that extra training time mentally what's the difference been it's it's massive I think maybe that's Jess you spot on like it was just busy all the time and um I think that's maybe first few weeks I was a little bit not struggle but a bit shell-shocked like that my life has changed completely and I don't say that lightly it, ha- it has changed completely because I've got time to recover I've got time to pick up conversations with my mum my dad my family see my family um, and I think when you're in that world when you're being so busy like you also get an overriding sense of guilt and I, I absolutely felt that like I felt guilty that I want to see my grandparents off that I want to see my nieces and nephews because all my spare time was on rugby or, or work because there's only so many hours in, in a week but it's a huge mental shift I feel like I've got more mental capacity now if that makes sense because I haven't got a load of other things that I've got to do or I need to respond to I've just got my main focus is playing and how I perform and play and um, the rest of the time I can I can enjoy uh, some downtime and enjoy family time and catching up with friends um, which we haven't had the chance to do. And um, yeah, so, you know, I feel much more refreshed and a much better spot, really. And that helps your confidence then, you know, that helps your confidence in, in your ability and you just feel fresh yeah. and you just feel like you can perform everything better. That's great to hear. And Wales had a warm-up match for the Women's Six Nations a few weeks ago against the USA. What did you learn from that match? Because I, I believe there were 17 players on the bench. They all got to have a go and they were subbed on at some point. What did you learn about your team? Yeah, it was massive. You know, the result, you know, looking at the result, it's not the result we would have wanted, but we got everything that we wanted out of the game. It gave girls an opportunity to play. It gave us a chance to try certain plays it give us a chance to look at ourselves and, and review and reflect and, and correct things um you know and, and usa are also a real good outfit um so to to measure up you know they're physical they're great athletes and they've got some outstanding players in that squad so to be able to measure up against them ahead of an important six nations campaign was was huge so yeah we got exactly what we wanted out of it and i think you know the girls have given the coaches headaches as well now with with selection what is the best team to go with and you know everyone had an opportunity to play so um you know that was really valuable for us and so on, i know that um, there's been emotional times for the girls for yourselves when you know you had heavy defeats and you knew you weren't able to prepare properly, etc. What's what's in store for the Six Nations? Have you set targets, or are you just going to go out and give it a blast, or what? Because the fact that you're professional doesn't mean the Six Nations is any easier, because the the opposition will still be difficult. Yeah, absolutely. I think you nailed it on the head there. You know, the opposition is still going to be tough. Um, and you know what we do realize internally is that performance doesn't change and happen overnight performance sport at this level you know it's not gonna absolutely change everything around in a short space of time of two three months just from being professional and 12 of us professional and 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 some girls on retainer contracts at the moment like that takes time to embed everything that we're trying to achieve in but we're fully buying into the process and the main aims for us this campaign is to take steps forward in performance, um, mm. which I'm confident this this squad can do. We had a good autumn campaign. We're in a different spot again now. It's how we take that performance to the next level again and, and keep building upon that and not taking backward steps, really. And that that's the main thing um, for us, but also concentrate on our game plan, our, our 
you know, the aims and targets we've set ourselves internally and executing those. And I think, you know, that's what we need to concentrate on is what we are expecting of our, ourselves internally and hopefully performance then will look after itself and 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 on the flip side of that result hopefully but sure. you know it's, a, it's a, going to be a tough start Islanders are a good outfit out there as well they're going to be wanting to start the campaign well um but you know we're, we're just looking and concentrating on our game plan and how we execute that and hopefully put in a performance um a full-rounded performance really the uh, just one more question for me and one more from Jess briefly I know, I know you're busy today but uh, have you uh, the, the the leisure time you've had has you have been sort of wandering in your mind to the World Cup because it's clearly going to be a fantastic World Cup another another step forward in the women's game and in the pool you've got New Zealand Australia Scotland I mean what what an absolutely sensational prospect it is uh, uh, that is if you've got even time to think about it yeah, definitely. You know, that's super exciting. And that, you know, that's that's a goal. That is um, something that is in the back of our minds. We're concentrating on, on the here and the now. You know, it is something, mm-hmm. though, that we all want to get on that plane. We all want to have that opportunity and we all want to put in, put in a good performance out there. Um, the exciting thing is we get to play some of the best teams in the world and, and measure ourselves up against them. Hopefully we can get confidence from this Six Nations campaign and everything that we're going to do over the next six months until we reach there um, to be in the best spot spot we can. Um, yeah, so we're just super excited at that prospect to be able to go out to New Zealand, play the home nation, play Australia and, and play Scotland, who have done outstanding the last, you know, last 12 months or so um, and have done really well to qualify. So, yeah, we're... we're we're chuffed for Scotland and we're looking forward to facing them in, in the Six Nations and, and then the World Cup as well. But um, like every, we're taking day by day, really, you know, everything mm. we do every day is going to contribute to how we perform there. So, you know, to be fair to the squad, they've absolutely bought into that and we're leaving no stones unturned and working hard and uh, making sure we make every rep count and everything that we t- can do to be in the best place possible. But yeah, w- what a year it's going to be. You mentioned Scotland there, Shuan, and they are you're playing Scotland in your first home game in the second round at the Cardiff Arms Park. You said about building the support around your campaign. Cardiff Arms Park has become kind of your home ground for your matches and all of your games will be live on BBC. You've been around the game for long enough. How important is that, that exposure, and how much does it mean to the squad? Yeah, it's massive. We've seen it in autumns, like game upon game. Um, our crowd grew because they liked the brand of rugby that we were playing. And, um, you know, they are our 16th person, the, the noise, and they really do get behind us, really to spur us on and, and help us on the field. So it's massive. And, you know, I think due to COVID and not having fans for some time, that autumn made us realise how much we'd missed that during that period and how grateful we were to have them back because they're such a, a great crowd. But Playing Cardiff Arms Park as well, you know, in the heart of Cardiff is is a great venue, it's a great stadium, and, and we, we love having our home games there. Um, so yeah, we're looking forward to, you know, having that that home crowd and hopefully, you know, people who haven't come to watch as a standalone tournament now, you haven't got to pick do I go and watch the men's national squad or the women's national squad? There's a national game of rugby on every weekend come and watch it and um, I'm sure they'll enjoy it so hopefully that will also bolster the people that get behind us and support us and and I don't think like one thing I'm, I'm living by at the moment you can't comment unless you've been there and witnessed it and seen and uh, viewed it before you, you comment on our game so everyone that did come the last campaign um, in the autumns really enjoyed it. So and well, well spoken indeed um, and, and we're really grateful to you for your time and uh, I know that um, you and the girls have been through lots of ups and downs and I guess everyone now will be uh, wishing you personally and and, the, and your team all the best for the Six Nations and beyond. So thank you so much. Sue and Lyric Cup, the Welsh captain. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Okay, that was Siwan. Um, one thing that is even more emotional for the Welsh team is that Lowry Norcott uh, has made the squad. Um, Lowry's sister, Ellie, was um, lost in a car accident a couple of years ago. Um, uh, daughter to my friend Kim and um, Larry Norcott is carrying the banner for the family into the Welsh squad this year so that's wish her all the very best Steve can I just say on that I watched Larry's first game in Swansea back in 2017 yeah, after, after her sister Ellie um, passed away I watched Larry play her first game five years ago it was at St Helens it was Swansea White which was Shuan's team Shuan was the captain of that team against an Ellie Norkit Select 15 which Kim, her dad, put together and mm. there were some exception, exceptional players on that pitch and Lowry really held her own and at the start of the game players were reluctant to give her the ball reluctant to tackle her she'd only lost Ellie a couple of weeks before but she was phenomenal she was wearing Ellie's boots at the time she was a really good player and since then she's gone on to play sevens go to sevens tournaments in Barbados play for Wales Rugby League she played against the USA in the other week for that warm-up fixture and now she is in the Six Nations squad. Lowry has absolutely dedicated the last five years of her life to filling her sister's boots and doing what her sister did. And I should say she had never played rugby before five years ago. She was an elite netballer. She was a phenomenal netball player, but had never played rugby, had no interest in it. So to reach that achievement in five years, I think is absolutely huge. And I just wanted to give some context to that um, because, as I say, it really has kind of been all on her all out, all out of nothing. Well spoken. Um, the pressure is no back on you, Sarah, because you have to tell us about TikTok activities and all the other what, 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 and all the other stuff. What was the other stuff? I'm particularly interested in TikTok. About you know, TikTok have, have said to us, "Oh, we're having a content creator in each camp," and that players are being encouraged to create TikTok content. And I just want to know what that actually looks like because can they force players to be? jolly and make videos and dances. <laughs> I want to know who who's the, the best players at doing it in camp. So we had at the start of, well, toward the beginning of the announcement, uh, we had a Zoom call with TikTok who showed us all the wonderful ways that you can get yourself involved, sort of angles to approach it at, the serious side of things, the fun side of things, filters, all of it. And some people obviously sort of probably started making a cup of tea at that point and then other people were very engaged in it so obviously it's probably a bit of a generation thing the, the youngsters are, are really enjoying it at the moment the likes of Zoe Harrison Jess Breach are sort of all over it you'll just walk past them they'll have the phone up in front of them and you, you'll sort of automatically just know to go the long route around <laughs> <laughs> but um, but those those guys are loving it and I think some of the ways that they're getting uh, rugby like onto people's screens is awesome getting themselves um, out there different ways creative ways show mm. their personalities in a way that uh, we've never been able to before so I think in terms of um, those individuals and for the sport itself I think you want to know more about the people I suppose behind the shirts and this is the perfect way to get that insight I know sometimes it's hard to, to find out what's happening in camp unless it's produced by the RFU or or broadcasters this is a great way to straight away find out what was happening in England camp today how big can the rest of this season, this year, be for England, for for um, women's rugby? I think that twenty twenty two is the biggest opportunity for women's rugby in in decades, if not ever, because it's it's a, a gender changing year. We have a huge Six Nations, and as, as we've spoken about with 
more professionalism than we've ever had with um, a better quality than we've ever had. And that's, as I've said as well, because of the elite level of the Premier 15s and the number of players playing there. But then, of course, we have got the Rugby World Cup in the autumn and that's huge. Again, we'll see more exposure. We'll see all of that off the pitch. But on the pitch, the differences between the nations has never been more uncertain. Mm. We've seen New Zealand there, the the world defending champions they won the the last world cup yet england had two record-breaking wins against them in the autumn there is so much up in the air there's no there's no prediction we can make that will 100 percent be accurate about the rugby world cup it's huge um Do obviously think fiji might be dangerous floaters because they now got a world-class performance program absolutely there are a number of countries that will that will stand out and that maybe we haven't considered because mm. they're obviously not in the the women's six nations we don't get to see them as much fiji and south africa as well the south africa barbarians game um obviously south africa there didn't do as well as they'd have wanted to of course but they now have a, a big performance pathway mm. there so yeah there are a number of nations as you say that really will stand out and fiji are doing so much better on the, on the seventh circuit now i think they, yeah. did they get a bronze medal yes, in uh, tokyo so and i think did. If you look at, at sevens, the, the path with 15s usually follows. If you get successful sevens, I think yes. there's usually a, a successful path to 15s after that. And there is a huge crossover between the Fiji sevens women's side who then also play 15s. Let's give the last word to Sarah. Um, can you do a double of, can England do a double of winning the Six Nations and World Cup? I think, obviously, first and foremost, got, got to look after the performances in front of us big focus for us is elevating our performance from, mm. from the autumns which was oh, yeah. were some great performances in themselves but they don't mean anything unless we uh, elevate it for the Six Nations mm. of course so in terms of us we've got some some focuses on the field in terms of the, what we want to achieve of course if we get those right performances look after themselves and once again after that a bit of a break before uh, New Zealand so once again opportunity to get together improve ourselves once again and hopefully be in a really good place going to that World Cup. Okay, Women's Six Nations. TikTok Women's Six Nations starts this Saturday, this Saturday or rather this weekend. It's Scotland versus England, Ireland versus Wales and France versus Italy. If recent games are anything to go by, it's well worth everybody's attention. Thank you a million for to Jess, our Jess Hayden, for joining us and thanks to Sarah McKenna, England's fullback. And uh, we wish you both, but especially wish you both. Sorry, let say especially Sarah. We wish you both a happy season, happy World Cup, Sarah. We wish you a sound hamstring and a big comeback for England. Thank you. We're not going to let um, these two off without giving us their god or goddess of the week. It could be a man, woman, referee. No, not referee. Um, <laughs> my goddess of the week, as always, when we discuss these issues, is Jill Burns. Jill Burns is the greatest. Is the doyen or doyenne of English women's rugby. I watched her win her first cap, her 50th. I think I missed her 250th. But um, we've always been in touch. I love her dearly. She was the first person I ever interviewed, uh, first women's rugby player I ever interviewed in about 1918, just after, after the First World War. And we kept in touch <laughs> since, and I'm going to speak. She's the Lancashire president, and I'm going to speak at the Lancashire president's dinner for her in a few months time so Jill Burns is my goddess of the week my goddess of the week is Shauna Brown I watched the premiere of the No Woman No Try documentary which is released this week and it follows the the modern life of a women's rugby player and it as well as all the achievements of Jill and her generation the current challenges the players face and I thought it was excellent and Shauna Brown spoke so eloquently on that documentary and of course she's going into the Six Nations now as well so it felt like a good time to nominate Shauna Brown very good. Yeah, I think I've got to go go with uh, that choice as well. Shauna Brown, obviously doing great things um, for women's rugby off the field. She uh, is an advocate for many, many um, sort of good things going on. And I think she's a, a real leader in terms of that. So um, all the kudos to her. And she absolutely deserves to have a documentary uh, made about, about all the good things that she's doing and, and putting rugby on the, on the, on the big stage. 2-1 to Shawna it is. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.